ghosts, cryptids, murder, conspiracies, beer, what, the, ale. Hello, friends. Hello. Uh, welcome back to What the Ale. I'm Alana Ray. And I'm Mama J. And, you know, friends, we recognize this is a day late. Um, on our end, we've been dealing with some travel and some really busy schedules and things. So we just decided to postpone rather than stay up until three in the morning recording or something. So <laughs> um, here we are a day late, but we have a great episode for you, I am sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but before we do that, mom, what are you drinking today? Um, I am doing a chocolate massage and I want to show you the label because it's, oh wait, where is it? Because it's cute. Adorable. Um, and it is a Spumoni Imperial Stout. <laughs> is it good? I was going to say, it's, um, it's a, it's a bit strong. Like I, to me, it kind of has a little bit of a molasses taste. Um, so it's a bit like stronger tasting than what I would normally drink, but it's interesting. I've never had a beer quite like this. So huh. yeah. Very cool. Very what cool. What about you? What are you drinking? Um, I just went down to my corner store and grabbed a 12 pack of Voodoo Ranger beers, but it's a, it's a variety pack. And this one is the new Belgium IPA. So very nice. I think I've probably had this before, but it's easy. <laughs> Um, All right. Any what the L moments? Yes. My what the L moment this week is that I, my sweetie is wonderful and we're going to go see The Wiz <laughs> on Friday, Ooh. Um, which I am a Broadway nerd and I'm really excited about it because this is the pre-Broadway premiere. So the Broadway cast is here in San Francisco. And oh. Wayne Brady is the whiz, and that is all I need. <laughs> no, no, really? Oh, I gotta go see it. That's amazing. So it's here in town. Now, he is a wonderful, not only super talented comedian and singer and dancer and all the things, but a very powerful bisexual icon and like. You know, yeah, I just, I love me some Wayne Brady. I So he's the whiz. That's amazing. So he's the whiz. And I also like, just let me rat, like rant about Wayne Brady for a second. I've been watching a lot of Whose Line Is It Anyway, because I love that show. <laughs> I love but, that show. Um, Apparently, which I like, remember this in the back, back, back of my mind, but apparently like back in the day, Wayne Brady was a dredge on Drag Race and he fully like unabashedly was like a Shangela stan and was like, I've been to your shows in Hollywood. Like, I know, like, he's like, I know you, girl. And I'm like, I love the fact <laughs> that Brady goes to drag shows. I love the fact that we yeah. like, I love him. So I may stage door Friday. <laughs> yeah, no, I would. I love him. But I'm really excited about it. So, yeah. And has yeah. your sweetie seen The Wiz? Does he know what he's in for? So I explained it to him and then he was like, this movie sounds iconic. I can't believe I've never seen it. So I'm yeah. hoping we can like double feature it, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a classic. I Yeah, it's great. So that'll be really fun. I love that for you. I know. Good little date night. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. 
What about you? What's your what the moment? Um, let's see. Um, my what the moment is probably how I came up on my topic for today. Oh, okay. So I guess I'll I'll go ahead and say how I came upon it and then what it is, and we can just get right into it. Sounds great. So, yeah. So I decided I wanted to do a cryptid because we haven't done a cryptid in a while and I wanted to do something a little lighter and not, you know, dark and scary and heavy. Um, and so I was in deep debate about what cryptid I want to do. And um, I happened to be in Florida at Disney World this past week. And um, our first day at the parks was at Animal Kingdom. <laughs> and um, for anybody that doesn't know, like, if you're from California and we have like Disneyland and California Adventure, but in Florida, they have four separate parks. And so a lot of the rides that we have at our two parks are split among the four parks. And in California, we have a ride called the Matterhorn. And in that ride, there's an abominable snowman. Heck yeah, there is. And in Animal Kingdom in Florida, and you know, because they have an Asia section of the park. And so instead of having the Matterhorn, they have the Himalayas and Mount Everest roller coaster. Mm -hmm. And in there, instead of our abominable snowman, they have a Yeti. Cool. So are you, okay. Love this. Love this. But <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love a Yeti. Um, are you going to cover like it from different cultures or mostly from like Himalayan? Stuff? I'm going to do mostly Himalayan. And then um, I'm going to tell a fun little story <laughs> about the, I don't know if you know this, but the theft of the hand and Jimmy Stewart connection. Do you know anything about that? No, ma'am. It's a fun little story we'll tell at the end. <laughs> okay, wonderful. <laughs> yeah. So, and, you know, in my research, obviously it did say, you know, there are many different influences and, you know, different forms of the Yeti in different cultures and countries. So like a Yowie in Australia or Bigfoot or Abominable Snowman or what, you know, but there's lots of different versions that are all probably similar or you know linked or whatever mm -hmm. um but yeah so I'm focusing on like the yeti that's traditionally talked about in Nepal Bhutan India and Tibet cool okay yeah so um the yeti is often depicted as a large and hairy humanoid creature and usually depicted with white fur. And when I say depicted, I really do mean like drawn based on what people have reported. Mm -hmm. um, there is no actual photographic evidence of um, an actual Yeti. You know, there's, we'll talk more about like some uh, relics or some, you know, fur or hand or things that have been um, believed to be a Yeti. But yeah, so all, all of the depictions are from drawings. Um, He's he's said to either be similar to a large ape or a large bear. Um, and if it was the bear, it would be like standing on his hind legs. Mm -hmm. um, some people describe him as half man, half ape or half man, half bear. But he's said to have a short, wide nose, a big forehead and a distinct brow ridge, okay. which to me, that sounds more ape like than a bear, because to me, a bear would like have a longer muzzle and like, um, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so the descriptions to me sound a little more ape-like, but 
The word Yeti is derived from the Tibetan term, um, which like roughly translates to rocky bear or bear-like. Okay. So that's where the word comes from. Um, and then, you know, the other characteristics are that he usually is depicted as having like a really strong muscular build and then the shaggy white fur. Mm -hmm. And they talk about like the white fur would make sense to help him blend into the slow snowy climate um, and to keep him warm. He's said to be like a high altitude creature. So, you know, obviously being in the Himalayas and Everest and all of the things, um, and he is said to be a big boy at between six and nine feet tall. Oh, wow. Um, and his arms are supposed to be very like muscular and long. Some reports say that his arms hang down past his knees. And oh. then, um, he's said to have large feet that would help him navigate the rugged terrain in the mountains. I will say the long arms tracks with ape-like because apes tend to have yeah. longer arms than hind legs and stuff like that. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Very cool. So um, the legend of the Yeti has been passed down, you know, primarily originally it was through oral storytelling traditions mm -hmm. and um, that region, um, you know, around the Himalayas has like strong Buddhist and Hindu spiritual beliefs. And so some of the locals believe in guardian spirits and deities that inhabit the mountains. And um, so some of those beliefs get blended in with the stories. And then because of like the influence of trade routes coming through and then just visitors coming to Everest, mm -hmm. um, you know, some other influences from other places have got blended in. Um and then they said that in the 19th and 20th centuries, like Western explorers really began um, like visiting the Himalayan mountains and, um, you know, their writing, you know, because they would do a lot of writing about what they saw and experienced there. A lot of their written accounts um, began to popularize the idea of the Yeti. And um, and then that's when they made the comparison to like an abominable snowman. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. But that's when, you know, when the Western explorers came, that's when the Yeti started gaining like global interest and international interest um, because the stories were being taken to other regions of the world. Cool. Awesome. Okay. Um, so obviously some experts and, and, cryptozoology people have proposed that a lot of the sightings and stories of the Yeti could be attributed to bear encounters. Mm -hmm. um, and the two bears that are most talked about are polar bears. And um, I didn't read anything about that, but it seemed like maybe that's because of their coloring and because they um, are acclimated to live in like snowy, harsh climates. But do polar bears um, from the Himalayas? No, that's my, that was going to be my next sentence. Oh. Um, but polar bears are not native to the Himalayan region. Um, and so, you know, there have been some rare occurrences of like polar bears drifting far south on like ice flows. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, all the scientists say, but it seems really um, like unlikely that they would flow that far um, and be able to migrate that far to where they would end up in the Him Himalayas. When you think um, of, like a lot of Asia, I don't know, 
about, you know, Tibet or Nepal necessarily, but you would think like a lot of those areas, like they're like in Asia, it's very humid and very hot. So like it getting from across the land into the Himalaya, I mean, how to me, that just sounds, yeah, I just don't think, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I don't think that sounds realistic. Um, now there is a Himalayan brown bear and, um, and they, and I read something that said it's closely related to a Tibetan blue bear, mm-hmm. um, but it's known for having like reddish brown fur, but he is like um, adapted to be at high altitudes. Oh. And uh, so, you know, the, um, they were saying that, you know, like at a distance that bear standing on its like back legs could look a little more human-like. Mm-hmm. And then maybe if he was like covered in snow, he would have more of a white appearance and they wouldn't be able to necessarily see the brownish red fur. Um, and so, you know, that was the other one that they think could be an explanation of what people are actually seeing. That's not really a um, Yeti. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. And then, um, so a lot of the reported sightings, have been coming from like climbers, trekkers, and then the local people. Um, And a lot of times they describe seeing large footprints in the snow Mm -hmm. and that they don't look like typical animal footprints from that region. And obviously they don't look like human footprints or boots or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, And then people say that they have seen like a large hairy figure from a distance. Um, Now, there are some articles that say that like things like um, hair samples and like other relics have been collected and, and um, you know, have been trying to, you know, the scientific community is trying to prove whether, you know, it's an, an animal that we know of or a human or something like that. Mm-hmm. And there are mixed results, um, but they said that you know, some of the research says that there is an animal, but it, it's an animal that we wouldn't, we don't know of yet. Okay. Um, and then some do say, oh, this is a bear or it's, you know, whatever. Okay. Um, now, how long do you think that stories of the Yeti have been told? Like, how long do you think these stories have been around? I'm going to say thousands of years. You are correct. 6,000 years or more. Um, and that's according to Ram Kumar Pandey. And he's a geographer from Nepal. And he's written a lot of um, books about yetis. And yeah, he says that the stories he's collected have gone back over 6,000 years. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he said that, you know, it really was more of just a story. But then in 1951, Eric Shipton, who was a British explorer, claimed to have photographed a 13 inch long footprint. And it was hominoid in appearance. So like primate like. Okay. Um, well, and then this was in were, like hominids were like early humans, right? Like way, way, way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's what I was going to say. So either like primate, like related to apes or ne- uh, Neanderthals. Mm-hmm. Um, and this uh, footprint was seen in uh, Nepal's Menlung Glacier, which is west of Mount Everest. And this image ended up getting put into newspapers and television shows. 
Um, and so a lot of other explorers came to the Himalayas to try to, um, you know, find the Yeti and like prove its existence or to debunk it. Mm -hmm. And um, it, there were so many foreign visitors coming through that the Nepal government ended up having to issue strict regulations saying that like you're only allowed to take photographs if you encounter a Yeti, you are not allowed to harm a Yeti. There's no hunting allowed. Good. But that's how that's how busy it became that they felt like they had to lay down the law, you know, and say yeah. you guys cannot harm a Yeti. Um, and then a couple years later, Edmund Hillary mm -hmm. and Sherpa Tenzing Norgay, they reached the top of the summit of Mount Everest, which is 29,035 feet. On, and this was May 29th, 1953. And they were the first two people to stand on top of Mount Everest. And um, I know. So uh, I praise you. I would never do it. I would never attempt it. There's no way I would survive that. But good for you. <laughs> for me, it's the cold. Yeah, I can't do cold. And I the altitude sickness thing, you know, I don't even do well when I go to Colorado. So I would not do well in Mount Everest. Um. <laughs> But anyway, so he supposedly also um, came across some large footprints and, um, you know, so obviously that that fueled a lot of speculation that the Yeti does exist. Um, but some of the artifacts um, and the footprints were proven to be other animals. Now, like other stories that we've talked about, what do you think the... Um, government and the townspeople of Nepal did with this whether it's a myth or it's a cryptid or it's a actual whatever what do you think they did with that they wanted to monetize it you know they were like we're gonna yes, have some coffee shops and do all the things <laughs> yes so hotels restaurants cafes touring companies everybody like pro profited from it promoted it um, to increase tourism and even their um, their domestic air carrier Yeti Airlines <laughs> was named and Yeti Airlines their um, logo is the foot the the oh. like drawing the foot very cool um, and then the ne Nepal government even made the cryptid the centerpiece for a tourism campaign and placed dozens of Yeti statues all around key attractions around Nepal. Mm -hmm. So they were definitely, you know, inviting people to come and like, <laughs> you know, wanting to profit off of this lore or whatever we want to say it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So a lot of, a lot of uh, people were making money off of that. Mm -hmm. um, now, a lot of the legends, the like the original legends of the Yeti were told from the Sherpa community. So people that, um, you know, help people to climb Everest or other peaks, um, you know, people that really know the landscape really well. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so um, one of the one of the tales about how the Yeti came to be was that it had a Tibetan mother and then a giant ape as a father. <laughs> I have a lot of questions. I know. <laughs> I would like to know who this woman is, how that came to be. 
How does what? Never mind. That's we're getting way in the nitty gritty with that. I just don't understand yep. how one procreates with an ape. Oh, yeah. I think we can just leave that there. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, and then just in terms of like evidence stuff. So in 2017, um, a de-analysis of what was alleged to be Yeti's teeth, hair, and fur, um were found to be you know actual real animals that we know of such as himalayan black and brown bears um and then i did see um and i'm gonna read this because i i didn't want to try to summarize this because the way it's written is like pretty damn clear um so and this is from mythlock.com but in tibetan folklore there's a few different like aspects about what a yeti's role is and um you know just like some tibetan mythology so i just wanted to read it as it was written um so there's four different ones the first one is guardian of the mountains um and it says the yeti is often considered a guardian spirit of the himalayan peaks in tibetan culture these mountains are sacred and the yeti is believed to protect them from harm okay which i kind of like that idea yeah good for him Um, and then the second one is that the Yeti is a symbol of wilderness. So the Yeti symbolizes the untamed and wild nature of the high altitude wilderness and embodies the idea that there are still mysteries and unexplored realms within the natural world. Cool. I like yeah, that. Kind of like that one too. Yeah. Yeah. And then third one, test of courage in Tibetan folklore. Encountering a Yeti is seen as a test of one's courage and resilience. Those who survive such encounters are said to be blessed with strength and wisdom. Okay. Which I kind of like the idea of that, but also in my research, I didn't hear of anybody like fighting a Yeti or being an actual danger from a Yeti. So I don't know if that has been tested that you actually, you know, have to survive a Yeti. Right. Um, And then the fourth one is linked to spiritual realms. It says, some Tibetans believe that the Yeti is a link between the physical and spiritual realms. It is thought to possess supernatural abilities and is sometimes associated with the practice of Tibetan Buddhism. Okay. Okay, cool. Yep. So, um, you know, again, there's a lot of the artifacts that were found to be actual animals, um, but there were some that where they just failed to be able to provide concrete evidence one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is interesting. And that is one of the things that lead people to say, well, if it couldn't be proven to be a bear or it can be proven to be some other animal than, you know, or human, then what is it? And so that is getting people to still wonder if the Yeti is a real being and um, just has not been photographed or found in a way that can be proven. Right. Which I think is plausible. I mean, I think about a lot of like native and indigenous folklore and there's lots of creatures and spirit guides and things like that where they're, you know, not necessarily of our realm. And maybe if the Yeti is of a different realm, but, you know, he comes to our realm to do whatever he does. I don't know. I feel like that's a very, I I like that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I like the spiritual side. And then I also think like, you know, the area that we're talking about, the Himalayas, like there's so much of that that is untouched by humans, you know, like where we can't get to it. 
And um, so the idea that there could be creatures living there that, you know, don't come down to our level very often or just, you know, have places that they get to that we can't get to or whatever. To me, that that is definitely a possibility. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I mean, I'm sure there are. I mean, even recently, didn't they just like discover a new type of shark that like was in the ocean, like swimming in like the Indian Ocean? Anyway, like I feel like I mean, the ocean is to me where the depths are too hard to reach. Whereas, you know. Yeah. Well, that's how I feel, you know, because in the ocean, I'm sure there's like a million different things we don't know about because the ocean is so deep and we have no way to get there. And I feel the same way about this. There can be places where we just haven't gotten to yet as humans where there could be animals that or, you know, beings that we, you know, don't really know much about because we've never encountered them or not have not encountered them often enough to be able to study them or whatever. So I'm just going to say I think it's possible. I think it's possible. Yeah. Okay. So do you want to hear the fun story about how James Stewart (laughs) comes into all this? Like Jimmy Stewart, the actor? Yes. (laughs) I would love to know. I really want to (laughs) know. Okay. So, um, so this is, um, from uh, atlasobscura.com and it's kind of a fun story um so there was this oil um like oil tycoon and he was kind of like an adventurer named tom slick Mm -hmm. and he heard about a monastery that had a yeti hand and the monastery was in um pengboche um to uh, Nepal I'm sorry Nepal and um and so he ended up sending people to go like photograph the hand and then he wanted to bring the hand back mm-hmm. and study it and like try to prove whether you know it was actually a yeti hand or not now sure. um obviously he's a oil tycoon so he had money and um so you know he kind of sent um people to go trying to negotiate to get the hand. And, um, one thing that I read said that, um, you know, they were like, no, you can't have it, but like you can photograph it and you can whatever, but you can't have it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that his, uh, person ended up negotiating that if they would let him take one finger so that he could take a finger back to study, and then they would like replace that finger with a human finger. And, I could find nowhere in my reading where they got this human finger. <laughs> Whose finger that was, I don't know. Um, I, okay. But anyway, so it is said that either they stole the finger or they had permission from the monks to take a finger and replace it with a human finger. Okay. Um, but anyway, so his people did do that. And um, when they were bringing the finger back, um, uh, it, it was a man named Peter Byrne who went to negotiate that. Um, but he decided, you know, so he like wrapped the finger in some um, cloth and everything. And he got it to, from Nepal to India. And then there was, you know, actor Jimmy Stewart was there with his wife. And they asked him to smuggle it out of the country in his luggage because they figured with him being a famous actor, he would not be stopped or whatever. And apparently he was interested in all of these kind of things and was like, yeah, I want to find out if this is real. Um, 
So they hid it in his wife's, um, like she had a, like a, a little bag for her undergarments. I guess that was like a common thing. You would like lock your personal women would lock their little personal things into a little case. All right. Um, and yeah, so they went through security, um, and then apparently like the, um, you know, her bag was kept at security and, um, so they came and, um, you know, they were waiting for them to, you know, after they were going to like search the bag or whatever, they went to their hotel and they were waiting for them to bring the bag. Mm -hmm. And apparently, you know, they came to the hotel, bring the bag and, you know, they said it was fine and they went through it and everything was fine. And then she opened the bag and saw that her case was still locked. And so she asked them about that and they said, well, yes, ma'am. Like, you know, no, um, no security would go through a woman's, you know, personal case, (laughs) you know? And so, but that's where the finger was. And so, um, they did not find it. And, um, which, you know, again, I just think it's funny that he's involved in this at all. Um, and then, uh, the NBC program Unsolved Mysteries ended up, you know, they obtained samples and, um, there is, they said that there is some human tissue uh, or similar to human, but it was not human tissue. Okay. And they could verify that it was like near human. So there were certain genetic components that were similar to human, but not human. Um, And, um, and then it turns out, so after it came out on unsolved mysteries, a lot of other people became interested. So somebody went back and stole the rest of the hand from the monks. I know very sad because this was a way that they made their money too. You know, they made money by Uh having people come and see the hand. Um, And so somebody stole that. And so um, this is another interesting fun fact. So in 2010, um, do you know who uh, what a workshops is? No. Okay. So they, they're like amazing. Um, but they're the ones that make like, um, I don't know, like props and they design characters and prosthetics and things for movies. And so like they did Lord of the Rings and, um, you know, but they've done all kinds of movies. So when I was in New Zealand, um, my friend and I actually went to their workshop where you can like learn to make prosthetics and everything. Oh, cool. But they ended up making a um, replica hand and um, and then there was like they had a part of a skull, too. And they ended up making a replica skull to give to the monks so that they could still earn money from having that there. Um, But I think that's very cool (laughs) that this like, you know, workshop that does, you know, all of the movie stuff was like, you know what, we're gonna, we don't think it's right that this was taken from them. And we're gonna do something to try to help them still earn money and everything. I think that's very cool. That is very cool. I mean, good. Good for them. Wild that sports involved in this at all. Yeah. So but I just thought that was funny, because yeah, you never hear about things like that. But um, yeah, I don't know. And then I did see there was a different article that said um, in 2011 mm-hmm. uh, for the there was like a BBC documentary that was coming out and that that um, the Royal Zoological Society of Scotland 
ended up analyzing the finger and then they proved that it was human. Um, mm. So, you know, it really does depend who you ask, whether it was human or just human-like. Okay. But I just thought that was a fun little story, but I do feel bad for the monks because, you know, nobody should be stealing from monks. I agree with that. The monks deserve their money. Except for those monks that are like sedating tigers so tourists can like play with them because that Yeah, I don't like that at all. But yeah, uh, let's be kind to animals. Let's be kind let's to animals. animals. Yes. I agree. But no, um, yeah, I agree. That's very cool that they like Jimmy Stewart was he I had no idea he had a tie to the Yeti. It kind of reminds yeah. me of like I don't know, like those random things, like when you, especially like old Hollywood murders, it's always like, oh yeah, Charlie Chaplin showed up on the crime scene, and you're like, what? The hell? what? <laughs> scene, you know? <laughs> yeah, like that where it's just goofy and fun. Um, yeah, but I still really want to know where did this human finger come from that they replaced it with? Because like, who just travels with the finger, or who did you take that from? Because that person probably did not volunteer their finger. Yeah, I wonder if. A, the grave robbed. B, mm-hmm. maybe it was a mob thing? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if these people were involved in the mob, but, you know, oil tycoon, I'm sure he could have things handled. He had connections. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. so anyways, but that's my little Yeti tale. And um, I don't know, but I like the idea of there is so much of the Himalayas that are untouched by humans that, you know, I could believe there are animals or creatures there that, you know, we just don't know about yet, just like the ocean, because, you know, yeah, that's such a thing. Well, I think stories of, like, yetis or Bigfoots and things, Sasquatch, you know, all of it's really interesting to me, because I think about how, like, Many, many human beings had never even seen an ape or yeah. like known what apes were, like gorillas and stuff were. So like the 1800s with photography came out. Yeah. And it was like this whole thing of like people were like, there's these giant monkeys that just like hang out in the woods, you know? Yeah. So part of me is like, I do wonder sometimes if like Yeti, Sasquatch, Bigfoot are just people who didn't realize like what apes looked like. But then, you know, some of them like, I mean, I think Bigfoot kind of looks like Chewbacca. And I don't think Yetis really look like any apes I've ever seen. Um, yeah. But I do think it's a really fascinating. Um, yeah, it's, it's just interesting to hear about the history of them. And it's cool that they do have a tie to like, like the culture there. In the yeah. So I do think that's really cool. Well, and that's why I liked those you know, I, those parts of the lore is like, yeah, if they're protectors of the mountains or, you know, they're, um, you know, tied to spirituality or those kind of things. I, you know, I think those are interesting parts of the lore. And then, um, yeah, but I, you know, my thoughts are also like, if I was a Yeti, I wouldn't want to fuck with any humans. <laughs> I'd be like, if I see y'all coming, I'm staying away. <laughs> yeah. Like I totally, like, I understand animals, like, you know, cougars and things generally don't come down unless they don't, or like attack humans or anything, unless they don't have food. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, they don't want to be around people. Like, <laughs> yeah. It makes sense. It makes sense to me. So, very fun. Yeah. So, that's what I got. But, 
I think they're kind of cute. I think they're cute. And I will say I've never been to Disney World, but I do know that the Matterhorn is like one of my all-time favorite rides at Disneyland. I know. But you know what, girl? I'm going to say I liked Everest better. Really? Yeah. I thought it was more fun. And their Yeti is like a screen or it's like projected. So you're like coming down this thing and all of a sudden it's like, ah, it is like projected. Um, And it's much scarier than ours. I will say I went to Disneyland more recently than the last time you went and they had updated the Matterhorn. They added well, the last time we went, it was updated, but it's like so projected they, and stuff. Oh no, it wasn't projected. Like he wasn't like projected like raw, but he was like, kind of like they projected him into the ice and stuff. So that oh, way okay. Mountain, he's like running past you and like all of that. So oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. That was a little more like what this was. Um, but yeah, I really like the ride. Good to know. Yeah, yeah. I, my best friend and I are almost to our 10 year friend anniversary, and so we have discussed maybe doing Disney World as our 10 year friend anniversary <laughs> gift to oh, each other. Oh, that's cute. We might do it before 10 years just because we're impatient, but <laughs> you know, um, yeah, no, I had a great time. But Epcot is my favorite because they have all the good food and we ate some beautiful Chinese food and then we had German food for a snack and then we had French food for dinner and it was all kinds of big fun. Nice. Did you is isn't Haunted Mansion in Epcot? Am I wrong about that? No, Haunted Mansion's in Magic Kingdom. Okay, someone told me that Haunted maybe it's not Magic Someone told me there was one ride where it just seems completely out of place, where it's huh. like it doesn't seem like in place with the rest of the world. But maybe I got that mixed up. Well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, because like Hollywood Studios has a lot of the rides that are Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, Epcot did have a Garden Guardians of the Galaxy ride. It's not the um, you know because at um, they got rid of Hollywood Tower Studios. They still have Tower of Terror. So, but um. Yeah, it was great because I was afraid that it was going to be Guardians. And I do like our Guardians one here, but it was cool to have the Twilight Zone one. No, um, but yeah, they had a different. Huh? Let's be real. In my, in my opinion, the Twilight Zone is better. I'm oh, like... girl, I love me some Twilight Zone. But um, but yeah, they did have a Guardians of the Galaxy ride at Epcot, which that to me felt a little out of place just because, um, I don't know, like other stuff was at either Hollywood Studios because movie stuff or um magic kingdom also had like star wars and you know is what there like star wars, wars land at magic kingdom or is it just like a ride um they have a little bit of a land um but it's not i don't think it's as big as D- our disney one um but they do have where you can make lightsabers and then they do have the bar where you can get your alien cocktails and all the things mm-hmm. um and uh the child and i had a delicious um i don't know what it was they called it some alien name but it was like beef and vegetables, but it had like Indian spices and it was like spicy and delicious and seasoned so well. Um, and that was at Magic Kingdom too. So we ate really well on that trip. Sounds like you did. Man, yeah. I'm like sitting here eating my like my pasta and stuff and you're here just like, wow. Have no, it was good. It was a lot of fun. But yes, that is what inspired me to choose this cryptid for this week because I liked that ride. <laughs> Very, very cool. I, you know what? I, I like it. I feel like we haven't done a cryptid in a little bit. So yeah. Good times. Yeah. So anyways, thank y'all for listening. Yes. Thank you for listening, friends. Um, You can find us on Instagram at what the pod. Um, you could 
also uh, email us, you know, topic ideas or stories or anything like that at whatthealpod at gmail.com. Uh, you could also DM us if you have a story, if that's easier for you. I know sometimes email's clunky. Um, but outside of that, keep following us on Patreon. We're going to have my bonus episode posted there promptly, and I'm very excited about her. And then <laughs> um, outside of that, you know, just keep being awesome friends. We really, really appreciate all of our lovely listeners. Yeah, and I appreciate you listening, Alana. And I appreciate you, Mama. All righty. Bye, friends. Good night, friends.